Can we open our Bibles, please, tonight to the book of Ezekiel and to these chapters that have been assigned to us for this meeting this evening? The chapters 40 through to the chapter 46. Let me just single out one verse. Here, the verse 4. I am glad to be here tonight. And to have the privilege of once again joining with you. It must be something like 18 years since first I came to uh, a meeting here in London with yourselves. Uh, something like that anyway. And uh, we thank God for his mercy and grace down through the years. And it is our delight to be here tonight. And we trust the Lord will draw near and bless our souls. Let's read just here this fourth verse of the chapter 40. And the man said unto me, Son of man, behold with thine eyes, and hear with thine ears, and set thine heart upon all that I shall show thee. For to the intent that I might show them unto thee, art thou brought thither. Declare all that thou seest to the house of Israel. Do we hear these words tonight? Behold, with thine eyes, hear with thine ears. And set thine heart upon all that I shall show thee. This is not a text in the conventional sense, but it is indeed a word that we do well to write with letters bold over all that we will say, the Lord permitting, upon these chapters and upon this vision that Ezekiel sees. With God's word before us, let's just once more seek the Lord, please, in prayer. Our Heavenly Father and our gracious God, we thank thee tonight for the blessed privilege, the blessed privilege we have of coming with the people of God around the word of God. And around the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, be one of our number here tonight. So dull we are of hearing. So blind, Lord, we need thy help. We need thy help at every stage. O Lord, show us thyself. In the scriptures of truth. Oh we thank thee tonight exactly that's what we have before us. The scriptures of truth. Thou hast told us thyself to search the scriptures. For in them ye think ye have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. Oh gracious God. Bring us tonight to see more clearly 
the author of this book, set our hearts upon him. O Lord, enliven our hearts. May the red, hot fire of heaven burn tonight in our souls. Lord, make this to be a profitable season. For thy name's sake. Amen. Amen. Can there possibly be a more blessed experience for the child of God than time he or she spends in the sanctuary with his God? I would say to you this evening, there is nothing more precious to the true believer than those times they spend near unto the Lord. In that book that gives us so much of the experience of the believer, I refer of course to the book of Psalms, that book loved throughout the generations of God's people. That fact is significantly and wonderfully set before us. A number of verses could be easily turned to and dwelt upon. It will not be our intention to do that this evening. But there in Psalm 84, for example, Psalm 84 in the verse uh, 10, we read there those familiar words. For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. A doorkeeper in the house of God was more blessed. And one day just spent in the courts of God's house was more precious than that spent anywhere else, especially in the courts of the wicked. Again we might remind ourselves of the words we find in Psalm 27. Psalm 27 and the verse numbered 4. One thing the psalmist says, one thing. Notice the number here again. One thing have I desired of the Lord and that will I seek after. That I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And behold the beauty of the Lord. And to inquire in his temple. Then there are those words again that we were singing a few moments ago in Psalm 122 in the verse 1. The first verse of that psalm. The psalmist said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I was glad. What what joy fills the believer's heart when to the house of God he goes up. But that's not the only experience that the child of God has. Yes, It fills his heart with delight, time spent with his Lord. 
For surely that's what is his experience in going to the house of God. It's meeting with God. But there's something else. If you turn to Psalm 73. Psalm 73 in the verse 17 opens up another avenue of thought here for us. Psalm 73 verse 17. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I their end. It's in the courts of God's house. It's in the presence of the Lord. It's in the sanctuary with God that we're instructed. We receive instruction there, in fact, that we can receive nowhere else. No other source can give us the instruction we receive when with our God. The saint here in this particular Psalm 73 is almost overwhelmed with the prosperity of the wicked around him. But he is recovered from that despair. He's recovered wonderfully from that despair by what he learns, by what he's taught in the sanctuary with his God. What a privilege. What a blessing. To spend time with God in his sanctuary. And this man's experience here in Psalm 73 tallies, I believe, to a great measure with the experience that our prophet had at this particular time. Can we even begin to imagine the turmoil of heart and soul and mind that Ezekiel must have been in? Just remind yourself this evening of what it is that he has faced in his life thus far until he comes to this particular point. He has had the task of digging into the villainy and the apostasy and the evil of his time. And believe me tonight, that is not, that is not a joyous activity, necessary and all as it is. He has had to expose the great transgression, the great sin of his own beloved nation. That was a a trial for this man's righteous soul without a shadow of doubt. These were not easy tasks. These were not things easily performed by this man. These were exceedingly great trials indeed. But yet along this path this man had had come. He had witnessed. He had experienced being taken into captivity himself. He had witnessed Jerusalem destroyed. 
along with the temple. But worst of all, worst of all, he had seen the glory of God removed, departing. Departing from the temple, departing from his people. And when we come to the chapter 37 of this prophecy, hope surely for Ezekiel is at a very low ebb indeed. It's at a very low place in this man's heart. His whole nation, nothing more than a valley of dry bones. Whatever direction he looked in, north, south, east or west, all was marked by the clear evidence of death. Now then, it's not without significance. It's not without significance that in this situation and in these chapters that we have to study this evening, the prophet is brought into the sanctuary. It's in these circumstances, it's in this frame of mind, if you like, that God in spirit lifts this man and takes him into this sanctuary, into this temple. Yes, it was here in this very place that Ezekiel's heart and soul, I believe, was revived. And he came to understand, like the psalmist, all of these terrible circumstances in the light of heaven. How different things look as we see them revealed to us by the God of heaven. Well here, here, and I don't think any will argue with me tonight, Here is the high point, if you like, in the whole prophecy of this man Ezekiel. Here the high mark is reached when he is taken on tour around this wonderful sanctuary, around this wonderful temple. This is the high point. Sad then it is. And regrettable that so many commentators on the scriptures. Have spoken so negatively. Of this very passage. Seeing that this is such a significant passage. In the whole prophecy of this book it is I say again tonight more than regrettable that this passage is treated the way that it has been at least so many have given the impression that here is a passage here are chapters so mysterious so nigh and Possible to understand 
so negatively spoken about. It contradicts all that I have said thus far. Really, it is sad beyond measure that any passage of our Bibles should be so tarnished. Yes, unquestionably tonight, there are many things in these chapters that are hard to grasp. Yet there is much here that we can glean with a great deal of profit. And if we sincerely begin with what is clear to us, then I have no doubt that the Holy Spirit himself in mercy will lead us to understand more fully those things that at first Perplex us. Can we then spend just a little time tonight giving you some pointers? And I will not, I will not go any further than that this evening. I'm only going to give you pointers that you will be able to take. I trust from this meeting tonight. And make use of them as you constantly and continually read over these verses and over these chapters. There's so much that might be said that really all, and this is the best way I can describe it, all that I'm going to do tonight is to give you pointers. But I trust with the Lord's help in days to come and in your own private study of these chapters you will be able to build upon. Nothing is more beneficial, you see, for us than the simple reading and rereading of any given passage. That's how God's word is illuminated to us. God is pleased to bless our constant reading of his word. This is an age undoubtedly when we have access to many Bible aids that were just unavailable to the children of God but a very short time ago. All sorts of aids to to get us to the original languages of the scriptures. But while that is true, my observation would be this this evening. Has there ever been an age more spiritually illiterate as this age? And this failure, I believe, has a lot to do with the failure simply to read God's word. To study God's word. I wonder tonight, as you come into the presence of the Lord, how much time have you spent today with the scriptures of truth? Is it, is it the daily practice of your life to be in the word 
of God. Well, I trust what I have to say tonight will help you with these chapters. These very important chapters in this whole prophecy of Ezekiel. Let us observe first of all here Ezekiel's preparation before ever being taken into the sanctuary. The servant of the Lord is prepared before he's ever taken into the sanctuary. And the words here that I will highlight and emphasize are found at the end of the verse 1 of the chapter 40. In the five and twentieth year of our captivity, in the beginning of the year, in the tenth day of the month, in the fourteenth year after that the city was smitten, in the self same day, the hand of the Lord was upon me. And brought me thither. The hand of the Lord was upon me. And brought me thither. Ezekiel on the 14th day. After the city was taken. The city was smitten. The city had fallen into the hands of the the Babylonians. It was lost now to Israel. In the 14th year after the city was smitten. In the self same day. Ezekiel pinpoints the day. The hand of the Lord was upon me. There's the preparation the servant of God had for being taken up into the sanctuary. The hand of the Lord was upon me. What a mercy was this. And surely the lesson is for us that even in the worst of times, and these were bad times for Ezekiel, Even in the worst of times, the most discouraging of times, when nowhere on the horizon there seemed to be any light, God can put his hand upon us and bring us to know his blessing. I take the basic purpose of going up to the temple into the sanctuary is to draw near to God going into the house of God means nothing surely and it is a vain and empty exercise if there is no actual drawing nigh unto the Lord or meeting with the Lord or communing with him or worshipping of him That's what's taking place here. Yet, let this be understood as well. No man will beneficially come into the sanctuary of the Lord without that needful preparation. And as it's stated here 
in plain language, the hand, the hand of his God was upon him. This we must know, I tell you. If we are to benefit, if we are to benefit in God's presence, we must know the hand of God upon us experimentally. Everything today you see has to happen instantaneously. Or food, for example, it has to be ready in seconds. Or it's no good. To give a, a very commonplace example tonight. And we carry that attitude so often over into spiritual matters. We rush into God's presence without the due care, the due thought, the due preparation. And then we stand back and we wonder why are we getting so little? Out of the time that we spend with the Lord. Oh, we must have the hand of God upon us. As Ezekiel had. We must have the hand of God upon us when we come to study prophecy. We must have the hand of God. The preacher not only must have the hand of God upon him. But the listener must have the hand of God as well. We must know God's hand upon us. There was a preparation here. But then let me move quickly on. You must also observe and behold how Ezekiel meets a man here. This man has a very important role. In all that transpires throughout these chapters. We have to carefully note this man that Ezekiel meets. This man is surely the Lord. Look at the verse 3 of the chapter 40. And he brought me thither. And behold there was a man. Behold there was a man. Here's something that God is pointing out of note. In my prayer meetings, uh, we're following the word, behold. We've just came to the end of the book of Genesis. It's a most interesting study. Following not exclusively every behold, but many of the beholds. Well, here's another behold. Behold! There was a man. There was a man. As Ezekiel enters into this vision, he has a man pointed out to him. Note a number of things about this man. Notice where Ezekiel meets him. Verse 3 tells us he stood in the gate. And he brought me thither, And behold, there was a man whose appearance was like the appearance of brass, with a line of flax in his hand and a measuring reed, and he stood in the gate. He stood in the gate. Are we we not reminded in this? Only Christ, only Christ can lead us into the sanctuary. Only Christ can bring us into the presence of God. 
There's no drawing nigh to God this evening without the Lord Jesus Christ. The way in from the outside, and clearly that's where Ezekiel was, he was on the outside, and that's where we all begin. We begin on the outside. That's where we are by nature. And we can only be brought unto God through Christ. Christ is the door. It wasn't the gate. It wasn't the gate that Ezekiel met him. You will notice as well from the verses here that the man speaks to the prophet. Verse 4 of this first chapter. Verse 4. And the man said unto me, Son of man, behold with thine eyes and hear with thine ears and set thine heart upon all that I shall show thee. Or to that intent that I might show them unto thee art thou brought thither. Declare all that thou seest to the house of Israel. This man speaks, speaks to the prophet. And Christ here makes very clear that Ezekiel is to be attentive and to note carefully. Please observe this. He's to note carefully the things that he's going to be shown here. He's not to neglect them. These scenes are to be remembered by him and to be carefully noted by him. Attention to detail is here laid upon the prophet. Because the prophet is going to have to tell forth what he sees. What what has what has this instruction that Ezekiel's given is given to say to those tonight that would lightly dismiss these chapters and pass them over just with a few comments? Let's listen carefully. To what this man has to say to Ezekiel. Then again his appearance is referred to here in this place. Verse 3. Whose appearance we're told was like the appearance of brass. If you compare what is said here to what we read in the last book of the Bible. The book of Revelation. The chapter 1. And the verse 15, Revelation chapter 1 verse 15, where we read these words, And his feet like unto fine brass. Like unto fine brass. Speaking of the feet of Christ. Christ, you see, is the one free from blemish. Free from every spot. He is the bright, the beautiful, shining one. In all of his parts. He's without blemish. This is the this is the man that Ezekiel meets. Then we should note 
And this is significance with the rest of the, the, the vision here, the rest of the chapters that are under our consideration tonight. Notice what this man has in his hand. A measuring line. Christ appears here as the master builder. Indeed, if we turn to another prophet, to the prophet Zechariah. The prophet Zechariah in the chapter 6 of his prophecy. Zechariah chapter 6 and to the verse 12. There you will read these words. Zechariah chapter 6 verse 12. And speak unto him saying... Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, Behold the man whose name is the branch, and he shall grow up out of this place. And he, the branch, the Lord Jesus Christ, and he shall build the temple of the Lord. Christ is the great master builder of this temple. He is a measuring instrument in his hand. A feature that follows through the rest of the verses and the chapters here. This man has such an important role. But then also you will notice about this man. Ezekiel is conducted Through the temple by this man. You see not only do we need Christ. To lead us into the temple. Through the gate. We need Christ. Every step of the way. We need to be taken with Christ. We need to continue on in the company of Christ. Whoever we else see coming up to the house of God, we must, we must meet with Christ. We must know his presence. In our Bible study, we must have Christ with us all the way. Yes, there was the preparation of the prophet. There was the man he met. But then thirdly, you must also pick up here upon the location identified for this sanctuary, this temple. It is said here to be in the land of Israel. Verses that certainly need to be Pointed out from the chapters, the verse 2 here of chapter 40 to begin with. In the visions of, of God brought he me into the land of Israel. And set me upon a very high mountain. By which was as the frame of a city on the south. He, he has been brought here in vision into the land of Israel. Mark those words. Then turn over to the chapter 45. Chapter 45 and the verses 8 and 16 are to be noted here. Verse 8 
Chapter 45, in the land shall his, in the land shall be his possession in Israel. And my prince shall no more oppress my people. And the rest of the land shall they give to the house of Israel according to their tribes. Notice the reference, in the land shall be his possession in Israel. In Israel. Verse 16, all the people of the land shall give this oblation for the prince in Israel. There is a pacific location here identified by God the Holy Spirit. All he want to tell us tonight that this passage is not speaking to us of a literal temple have to explain these references these clear unmistakable references to a pacific location an identified land namely Israel the chapters point us in but one direction this evening and when I look for this the appearing of this temple this this is the direction in which the Holy Ghost is pointing me I must of necessity look to Israel for this temple this is the identified place in the passage and the silly that by application is mentioned here must therefore be Zion the temple built by the Lord is built upon the holy hill of Zion and those who suggest that you look in any other direction for this temple must give an explanation For these specific words tonight. A simple reading of this chapter leads us surely to no other conclusion tonight. But Ezekiel's temple is located in Israel. Here's something else you must bear in mind as you come to this passage, the location. But then further there is the time factor to consider as well. The time factor. This is the next matter in our our list of pointers tonight. Key observations that we're seeking to make. Just when is it that we are to expect its appearance? Well, when we're thinking about the time factor, we might think about the past. We might think about the present. We might think about the future. Into which of these categories does it fall? Does the building described here in such detail by Ezekiel or to Ezekiel 
Does does this temple remind you or does it equal up to and compare to anything that has already been seen? Well, the key aspects of this sanctuary when you go through the chapters, the key aspects of this sanctuary as presented here to us are unique. In other words, they're different from all other temples that have been in the past. They're different to the tabernacle raised up under God by Moses. They're different to Solomon's temple. They're different to the temple that was rebuilt again after the captivity. And yes, they're different to the temple that our Savior walked in. These, this temple stands out uniquely. Therefore we must conclude there's no te- there has been no temple in the past to measure up to this temple. Again, ask yourself, is there any temple presently? Again, the answer of course is negative. Nowhere tonight is there a temple to be compared to this temple. Those who suggest it is a picture of the church. To my mind, they need to explain. They need to explain the place of sacrifices in the New Testament church. Those very same people will be very quick to tell us there can't be sacrifices in the millennium. But if this is the church, surely, surely there can't be sacrifices in the church. I will leave those who advocate such a position to untangle, untangle all of this for themselves. When we leave when we leave taking God at his word, we get ourselves into far greater difficulties. Far greater difficulties. Well, that leaves us tonight with the future. This temple must be yet future. It must be yet future. That's the only conclusion we have. There's been nothing in the past. There's nothing presently. Comparable to it, we we must look to the future. But where in the future? Well, there will be a temple, as the Bible explains to us, in existence when Christ returns. In that temple, Antichrist will raise up. The abomination of desolation. Well, as we are taken here chapter by chapter around this temple of Ezekiel, there's no there's no place for the abomination of desolation. So it's it's not that temple. It's not that temple. Some may suggest Something to the effect that heaven is spoken of here. 
But since there is evidence here of the presence of sin in the times of Ezekiel's temple, that rules out the possibility of this being heaven. No, the only the only place for this sanctuary of Ezekiel is the millennial reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. When Israel has been raised out of her dead condition, when those two sticks of the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom that Ezekiel saw there at the end of Ezekiel 36 are brought together and the land is divided again amongst the tribes not in the same way as before then in the millennial reign of Christ this temple will be raised up. But another matter to be remembered here, moving on from when this temple will appear, is, the, is that we have to give a careful consideration to the arrangements of this temple. The arrangements of this temple. As far as I'm concerned... The detail account that we are given here in these chapters of this whole building requires me to take all this account as a detailed account of a true building. Otherwise, we're in a place impossible to understand and would be totally unworthy of God the Holy Spirit. For not only do I find the detail, but also I discover here the builder. The builder himself going around, measuring everything. We have mentioned he had in his hand the measuring line. Well, he goes around measuring in detail all that he comes to. He runs his measuring tape, if you like, over everything. In other words, everything is as heaven wants it to be. It is all, all according to the Lord's plan. What what arrangement, what detailed arrangement we have here in this place. Ask yourself, is that how it is right now in the church of Jesus Christ? When Christ runs his rule over what's taking place in his church here upon earth, does he meet with the satisfaction that he meets with here in this passage? Let's bring it down to a personal level tonight. How is it with each of our lives personally? When the Saviour searches our lives, puts his rule, if you like, over our doings, is it all to his pleasing? That's how it is here. The arrangement, the arrangement 
is after the heavenly order. Take another aspect of the sanctuary here, the furniture. And again, again, there are, there are so many things to note. There's a great contrast between this temple and the Old Testament temple. There's no veil. There's no veil. The veil is gone. The veil is gone. There's no ark here. What does that all suggest to us tonight? When this temple is erected, Christ has already come. Again, you will find a table. These are matters that you need to be looking out for. Look out for the arrangements here in this tabernacle. What and how they contrast and how they differ with that which took place in previous temples. Everything in this temple is beautiful. And according to the heavenly arrangement. There's a perfection here. That has. Why clearly. Clearly upon earth. It has heaven's stamp upon it. It's all with the Lord's appointment. After the Lord's design. One other thing I will say in concluding tonight. Perhaps it's one of the most important points of all regarding this temple. And that's the glory of the sanctuary. You need to think about that as you read through these chapters. Turn with me to the chapter 43. Chapter 43. Chapter 43 and the verse 2. And behold the glory of The God of Israel came from the way of the east, and his voice was like a noise of many waters. And the earth, listen to it, the earth shined with his glory. Chapter 44 and the verse 4. Then brought he me the way of the north gate before the house. And I looked, and behold, the glory of the Lord filled the house, and I fell upon my face. The glory of the Lord filled the house. Yes, when this temple is raised up, the glory of the Lord, the earth shined, we're told in verse 43. The earth shined with his glory. The marked feature here is the return of the glory of the Lord and it fills the house. That was a thing that surely touched 
Ezekiel's heart and soul. That which had grieved him so much as he witnessed the glory of the Lord depart. Now he sees it return. What a blessed visit to the sanctuary this was for the prophet. In this do we not witness tonight why this is the high point of this whole prophecy. But not only is a temple filled here with the glory of the Lord, but the very earth itself shines with his glory. Now tell me, past, in the past, or in the present, when has that yet taken place? Mark those words in chapter 43, verse 2. The earth shined with his glory. By no stretch of the imagination has such a thing ever yet taken place. The only place this whole scene, this whole temple, the only period of time into which it fits perfectly is Christ's reign upon the earth. Do you remember those words we find in the book of Habakkuk? The book of Habakkuk, chapter 2, and the verse 14, and with this we're through. Habakkuk, chapter 2, verse 14, the earth. Mark the reference again, it's the earth. Not just a temple, the earth! Shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Cover the sea. Oh, tonight the earth groans. Groans because of man's sin, because the Lord is rejected. But there's a day coming. The coming when the Lord will build his temple as we have noted here tonight. The Lord is the builder here. He's the one with the measuring line in his hand. The Lord is the builder here. And the Lord is the one who fills the house. He fills the sanctuary. It's his glory. Oh, tonight... How inadequate we feel touching upon these matters. What other matters there are to undoubtedly observe in these chapters. But what I trust I have given you tonight is a taster. And will encourage you to come with greater frequency and with greater diligently to this passage. And let us see tonight what a blessed thing it is to spend time with God. Spend time in his presence. May the Lord bless his word for Christ's sake. Amen.